on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. I'm Marcus Smith, very pleased to be here this hour. I just have to tell you, I adore certain combinations of chamber music, and we've got just the right combination for me tonight. Violin and piano, and we're going to go to France by way of French composers Camille Saint-Saëns, we have Massenet, Poulenc, and Ravel tonight. And here to perform this glorious music live are musicians well-known in the Utah music community. Very pleased to have a chance to introduce you through their music and a little bit of conversation to violinist David Park, and pianist Larry G. David Park is assistant concertmaster of the Utah Symphony, and David and Larry are both professors at the University of Utah School of Music. I'm also kind of hoping we have a chance to connect, maybe reconnect with our inner Francophile during this hour. We all have one of them lurking inside somewhere, and we will do that through these French composers. Let's begin the program with a little bit of, uh, I think we have first right off the bat, Ravel. This is the second and third movement of the Sonata for Violin and Piano. Thank you. 
cliche that people use all the time after performances and they say I just didn't want it to end and with a movement from Ravel that has the subtitle perpetual motion I think it should stand to reason it shouldn't have ended but it had to and uh, great pleasure now to introduce David Park yeah, who is you, with Marcus. us. Thank Let me catch my breath here. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's you know th this is why I, I love French music you know being a Francophile you know I just love anything French basically and uh, just, you know, French music, French culture, French food, and French wine, as you know. Oh, I've read about you, and yeah. I want to talk about that very thing. Okay. Uh, you love music. You love wine. And you've got to understand, let me just set yeah. the record straight here. I'm Mormon. I haven't sipped the stuff. And I understand that you do barrel tasting. Oh. And, and if you can explain that to me uh, from well, my perspective. You know, <laughs> red wine, white wine, my expertise, here's where it ends. Different colors. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's well, where one it is. is darker than the other. One is darker. Yeah. <laughs> but you've really been into this. Well, you know, last five years, I tell you something. Even in some way, I, I'm ashamed to say, even more so than music. Last five years, I've been so involved with wine. I don't know why. I read an article about uh, Isaac Perlman, the great violinist Isaac Perlman, and I read an interview where he loves wine, and sometimes when he teaches students, he describes music through wine. So when I read this, and I thought, wow, and you know, he, I'm a big fan of his. And I got more involved with wine. And you know, last year was a dream, dream year for me. Yeah, you, went to, you went to a concert, but a, a, a recital there, at, but there was also wine tasting, and you got some special title. Well, yes, well, okay. Tell me so the, the whole I, story. I, I went there, uh, I, I got to go twice last year, so, so lucky. First time I went there to perform in, in the region Bordeaux, where the, you know, the famous wine come from. And uh, from the performance there, I met some really important people, like uh, Légion d'honneur uh, knights uh, and some billionaires and uh, mayors and so forth. And this is the power of music. You know, this, for me, this is why I play music, because really it's not just to you know, stay in the practice room, practice all day. I want to go out there and, and show the people that you know, what I can do, and I want to share my feelings with the people. And it was so special because I connected with the people over there. 
and one thing led to another, and they included me into this very exclusive uh, wine club. Yeah. What is this special title? I mean, my French is atrocious, but the Commandeur d'Honneur, give, give me the rest of that. What is that Commandery title? Commandery du bon temps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and then, you know, they, they have, a, um, I mean, you would not believe the distinguished members of this, this wine society. I mean, uh, Prince Philip, uh, Queen Paola of Belgium, Hugh Grant, uh, Placido Domingo, and, and to be included in, in that group of name, for me, it's, I mean, not just well, exciting. Does this mean you have a very discerning palate? That you, did they have to test you out and see well, if you Well, actually, were they, they did. Yeah. They did, a, a, like, a test afterwards. They took me to this, like, really fancy restaurant, and they brought, they put a brown bag over the, all these, these uh, yeah. uh, bottles. It's like a blind audition, isn't it? Yeah, and they said, well, we want you to tell, the, give the name of the wine, the, the vintage, right? I said, wow, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm kind of a beginner. I mean, I, I had to be kind of honest. And I mean, one was 1929. I mean, how can you tell if wine is from 1929 vintage? But luckily, I got the name. I couldn't get the year. But so I, I got half of it. <laughs> so I passed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you teach as well. Yes. And do you find it useful to use the analogy, the gustatory analogy to wines, as you maybe like Itzhak Perlman are trying to describe to a student how to play a certain piece or other metaphors that you use? Well, you know, let me say just one thing that, uh, you know, I, I, I find a lot of correlation. For example, to me, a great wine is something that's very powerful, but at the same time, very light, right? Light on its feet great concentration and seamless and, and smoothness and velvety quality. And this is exactly what I look for in the music. I mean, you got to have power to play solo well, but at the same time, you cannot be sluggish and slow. And, and then you have to have a very smooth and elegant quality. It, it, very, very similar in my you, mind. You use the word velvety, and so I'm just going to tease a little. At the end of our uh, recital tonight, you're going to yeah. do music by Massenet, oh, the meditation from today's Velvety, maybe? Are we getting ahead of the game? I, I hope so. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, David Park, great honor to have you with us, and we'll hear more from you in a little bit. Okay. Uh, right now, we're going to turn to Larry G., who is at the piano uh, with you tonight. And this is a, a work, a couple of pieces, actually, for piano only, as we continue our tour of France, a little short uh, uh, tour. And we're going to hear from Francis Poulenc, the seventh improvisation, and the Toccata, Larry G. performing on Highway 89.
On Classical 89 and BYU Radio, you're listening to Highway 89. Our guests tonight are pianist Larry G., and he's just performed some solo music by Francis Poulenc. And we have with us also violinist David Park. You know, uh, I just want to tell you, Larry, uh, the velvet thing is kind of stuck in my mind. And when I heard, <laughs> when I heard the improvisation number seven, I was reminded of just how velvety the music by Poulenc can be. So much so that when you get to the Toccata, which was the second piece you played, mm. it was fiery, it was peppery, and the velvet still didn't go away. It's there no, somehow. No, it's, it's there in all of Poulenc. How do you it, account for that? I think it was just part of his very nature. He was very, very, he had always had that gentle, very melancholy, soft side to him. But it's amazing because even with the improvisation, I mean, I feel like there are times you have that velvet and that, that beauty, you have exaltation, and then you have utter despair. And that happens in almost every Poulenc piece I'm acquainted with. It's really rich material, isn't it? Well, well, tell me, there's one of these pieces that you've been a good friend to for, I don't know, is it months, years, decades? Very, it goes way back, doesn't That's it? That's the improvisation. When, What's when your I was, story? When I was in high school, I'd, I'd never heard of Poulenc, and a lot of people haven't heard of Poulenc, but I heard one of my uh, uh, piano teacher's other students play that improvisation, and I just absolutely fell in love with it and, and uh, kind of learned it in college, but it wasn't really until now that I felt comfortable with it. So does it, does it grow with you over the years, and are you still discovering new it things does, in that It does, and, and the ability to create different colors with it uh, grows. That's beautiful, and thank you for that performance. It's wonderful you. to hear you play. Thank you. Uh, we're going to turn next to a very well-known piece by Camille Saint-Saëns. This is the introduction in Rondo Capriccioso. And as Larry G. returns to the piano, we have David Park, violinist, joining with us, picking up his violin, and we'll be in, in place for that in just a moment. I want to just mention that this piece, the famed introduction in Rondo Capriccioso by Saint-Saëns, originally composed by a French composer, but for the Spanish violin prodigy Pablo de Sarasate. So on Classical 89 and BYU Radio, Highway 89, we hear a performance now for violin and piano of this work by Camille Saint-Saëns with performers David Park, violin, and Larry G. at the piano. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
Highway 89, you've heard a live performance on the radio featuring David Park violinist and Larry G at the piano. Music by Camille Saint-Saëns. We've heard the famed uh, introduction and Rondo Capriccioso. I have to say, David, that uh, I have seen violinists who bend at the knee so low, <laughs> your bow became a limbo stick and you were practically doubled over underneath it. Do you have to do yoga or something to be able to be so flexible? You were dancing. You know, I tell you, to be a great violinist, it takes more than just practicing hours and hours and hours. You know, for me, I'm a big sports buff. You know, sports fan, I follow everything. And I try to study the great athletes because there's so much correlation. We talked about correlation between wine and music. There's so much correlation between athletes and, and musicians. Well, what I just saw was sheer physicality. Yeah, but you, you have to be a great athlete to play a great performance. I really believe in that. And I try to read every book, book out there, whether it's Tiger Woods, you know, uh, Lance Armstrong, and I try to watch all the interviews of the great athletes, like yeah. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and so forth. Well, it shows, and that's a, a wonderful piece of music, a great performance. Thank you for, for that. Okay, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about your role as assist assistant uh, concertmaster of the Utah Symphony. Yes. What is that kind of a task, to be the assistant concertmaster? Well, occasionally, I get a chance to play concertmaster, lead the group, and uh, sometimes um, I go abroad and play guest concertmasters with different orchestras. Uh, recently, I went to Seoul Philharmonic, played guest concertmaster there, an orchestra in Virginia. But basi basically, you know, it, in some ways, uh, to be a, in my mind, to be a great concertmaster, you cannot overlead. You know, it's, it's a little bit like a point guard or a quarterback. You know, I think the best way is you have to show by example. If you do your job well, and people behind you respect you and what, know what you're doing. And I, I think it really rubs off. And then sometimes, I mean, this is kind of a school thing where people try to overlead. And, and you know, we're all adults, especially in a professional orchestra. If you try to lead everyone and, and drag everyone, people don't like that, first yeah. of all. So I think the best way, just be subtle about it and just get their respect and show them that you're doing your best job and then just to focus on what you do, and then somehow they will follow. And, and then I would just have to say that it seems to me that 
maybe this is too obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's just that you get a lot of solo opportunity, a lot of that, don't you? Yeah, I'm very fortunate because, you know, I have, we talked about friends, but then I have some contacts in New York and San Francisco and Korea and so forth. So I think uh, for me, you know, I have to make it exciting. You know, I don't like to just stick to one thing, just teach or just play orchestra. So I try to vary a little bit and have some uh, solo career on the side yeah. and then I come back to orchestra. And this is like a team sport when you play an orchestra. And, and then to teach, you know, because I, I want to uh, uh, have my students carry on the tradition from what I studied. I mean, especially I've studied with some of the great names like Heifetz and uh, Dorothy DeLay. Yeah. I envy you. I can't even tell you. I mean, just to be able to pop around the world like that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be a basketball player at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you the athletic theme has come through loud and clear. And I saw it. I saw it right there. But, but I stopped growing at age 14. You see, that was <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has an excuse, David, okay? <laughs> well, thank you for coming tonight. It's been wonderful to have you with us and also with pianist Larry G. We're going to now conclude the program. You, you know, Marcus, let me just say one more thing because the next piece, I believe, is the Meditation Thais, which you spoke of. It's a very special piece because I play this piece, I don't know, a thousand times for every occasion imaginable. And uh, last year when I went to France, it, it was a special piece because I ended the program on this piece as well. And it, it was a very emotional piece because... As I was playing this piece, you know, I, I had my eyes closed and I was just kind of imagining, daydreaming. And then, you know, I felt in some ways so lucky to be there. And then I became kind of emotional. And then I think the listener, some of the listeners felt that. So I felt this connection. I think really the connection came there. And I think it started from there. So it's a very special piece. Well, this is certainly a piece that lends itself to those kinds of feelings and thoughts. It's a, it's a masterful, uh, lyrical piece, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. Well, thank you for coming, and we'll thank conclude you. tonight's program with the meditation from the opera Thais by Jules Massenet. And our guests are violinist David Park and at the piano Larry G on Highway 89. Thank you. 
And with that performance of the famed meditation from Thais by Jules Massenet, we conclude another hour of Highway 89. And this time we heard music of the great French composers Saint-Saëns, Poulenc, Ravel, and finally Massenet. Many thanks to violinist David Park and pianist Larry G for coming to perform with us. David Park, the assistant concertmaster of the Utah Symphony, and both of them serving on the faculty of the School of Music at the University of Utah. Highway 89 takes you to any number of musical destinations, every one of them musical and memorable. We welcome your questions and comments about this program. Simply email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Marcus Smith. Very glad to have been with you this hour, and thanks to you for joining us. <laughs>